This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Mission. On a hillside campus with expansive views of the San Francisco Bay, elementary school kids are at recess at Bayside Martin Luther King Jr. Academy. You wouldn't know it by looking at this picturesque schoolyard in Sausalito, but this tiny district has been the site of an emotional battle. It's a battle that's decades long, generations old, and you wouldn't know it by watching this diverse group of kids playing. (laughs) But that battle has been about race. If you look around here, it's obvious that this is not really a problem for kids. (laughs) The group of people that this is hard for is adults. Itoko Garcia is the superintendent of Sausalito Marin City District. We're chatting at the end of August as the school is wrapping up its first week of classes. So many people that are involved in this equation have been working for years for this day, and so there's a lot of time and energy and spirit and sweat equity put in. In 2019, Garcia was hired to manage an order handed down by then-California Attorney General Javier Becerra, desegregate the school district. Here in liberal, mostly white Marin County, the Sausalito Marin City School District has been a microcosm of long-standing racial inequities. For years, the district had just two schools, Willow Creek Academy, a diverse charter school in the wealthy, overwhelmingly white community of Sausalito. And across Highway 101, just a mile and a half away, was Bayside Martin Luther King Jr. Academy in Marin City, a historically mostly black community that has a large public housing complex. A 2016 state audit found that the predominantly black and Latino students at Bayside MLK had been suffering. There was rapid staff turnover inadequate class offerings, excessive discipline, and substandard academic performance. KPIX 5 investigated back in August 2016. But according to district data, there have been major funding cuts. There's no more art teacher, no more music teacher, not even a full-time gym teacher. Even credentialed teaching positions in math and science have been cut this year. As a result, test scores have plummeted. Zero percent of students tested at grade level in seventh and eighth grade at Bayside MLK in the 2014-15 school year. Attorney General Becerra said the district's former board of trustees had deliberately diverted staff and resources away from Bayside MLK to Willow Creek Academy. His desegregation order was the first in California in 50 years. Depriving a child of a fair chance to learn is wicked, it's warped, it's morally bankrupt, and it's corrupt. Standing behind Becerra as he made that announcement more than two years ago was Mary Jane Burke, the Marin County superintendent who had asked the state to intervene in 2016. That's what led to that damning state audit. We had a situation where students were not getting their needs met um, and resources were not being applied to all the students and a community who said, we've had enough and a board who said, no, we're doing fine. So the disconnect there made it clear that we needed some additional additional support. 
Burke says she believes that without the attorney general's intervention, the two school communities would have stayed divided. It essentially provided a framework for the community to do what they've always talked about, right? We're going to do this. So it provided the framework and the path. Charged with leading the way down that path is Garcia, the district superintendent. He's multiracial and grew up nearby and says he understands how to navigate the divided communities in the district. What we're doing is not for the faint of heart. And if if I lacked confidence, I would not be able to do what we have done or what we are doing. That hard work included forming a unification task force made up of school board members and district trustees. Also, a ton of meetings and joint study sessions where the two school communities came together to come up with a shared vision for their new integrated school. And we had a lot of like emotional, challenging conversations together. Um, but I think once the unification task force became actually pretty unified on a vision and a direction and a plan, um, that helped both of the joint boards in those joint study sessions get unified. And I think the fourth meeting, we had this realization of, oh, we just need to do some visioning and missioning work together. And all that work has now culminated in a single new school for the entire community on two campuses under one name, Bayside Martin Luther King Jr. Academy. K-5 through students are at what used to be Willow Creek. The older kids, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, are at the Marin City campus. Garcia says the merger so far has exceeded his expectations. 93% of families from Willow Creek and 99% from Bayside MLK have decided to stay in the district. And the new school community includes a merger of teaching staff from both schools, including Mrs. Schmidt, a fifth grade teacher. Garcia and I stop in to visit her class as she leads an activity. Students were writing three compliments for each of their classmates. It's the end of our first week, right? And, um, and we're getting to know each other, and we've had a couple of new kids come, and um, they've been welcomed really warmly by the other kids because nobody knows who's new and who's not new. Garcia says there were a few kinks to work out in that first week. They had to ensure the younger kids from Marin City had transportation to the Sausalito campus. The district set up a school bus partnership with Marin Transit and a local preschool to make that happen. Even with the operational details to iron out, Garcia says the kids are doing great. But what about the adults? I think it's more our staff and our parent community that is still... It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time, you know, on both sides. There's some trust issues that I think just, you know, you can only resolve with time. Marin County has a reputation for being a bastion of liberal politics, but it's also the most segregated county in the Bay Area. And Garcia says that's part of the challenge. I mean, this is a very liberal community, right? You're hard-pressed to find a more liberal community than this one. But... You know, just because people are liberal in their politics and often liberal in their thoughts, it doesn't always mean that our theory theory and use is aligned with our espouse theory or really what we actually do lines up with what we say we do, right? And I think those are the real conversations that we're all leaning into right now. Many of those conversations, including early school board meetings, have been tense and emotional. We need to move to one school, and that's my deep hope. Um, and I think that that's, that I really hope, I really hope that our Willow Creek parents can make that jump, that Sausalito residents can make that jump. 
and come together with Marin City and be one. Some of the Willow Creek Academy parents didn't like the accusation that their school was discriminatory, and they were worried that the school order came at the expense of their own kids who were already doing well. We need to acknowledge that there is a conversation going on out there that, and, a, and a feeling that there's an agenda, an anti-charter agenda, that's driving a lot of actions, and that there's a conscious effort to defund Willow Creek. Other Marin City community members were worried that the district was going to repeat the same mistakes of the past. I've been in Marin County for almost 20 years, and unfortunately, I haven't seen anything that sparked an interest in me at all here. It's always the same old thing, the same old people doing the same old thing, and our children see it. Believe it or not, this isn't the first time Sausalito Marin City has tried to desegregate. After a break, we'll revisit that first attempt in the 1960s. It started with good intentions and ended with white flight. The long-standing racial divide in Sausalito and Marin City dates all the way to World War II, when Black families arrived from the South to take jobs building ships. 1942 was when Marin City was built. Um, it was constructed to be uh, housing for the shipyards there. That's David Duncan. He's an oral historian and fourth-year history PhD candidate at UC Santa Cruz. And then after the shipyard shut down, uh, most of the white families moved out of the temporary shipyard housing uh, in Marin City. And then the African-American families found themselves stuck there with redlining and housing and job discrimination. Um, and, and they ended up, you know, kind of creating this this pocket of an African-American community in Marin County. Duncan's been researching historical school desegregation efforts in the Bay Area, including when Sausalito Marin City tried to do it in the 1960s. It did not go well. The school board voted to put Black children from Marin City and white children from Sausalito into the same schools. But unlike the present-day desegregation effort, which was mandated by the state, this was a voluntary effort, the first of its kind in California, led mostly by white liberal families. There wasn't much planning put forward. There was a, a small little article in the newspaper right before school started, a little memo that went out to parents saying, hey, we've, we've desegregated the schools. Elementary school is going to look a little different. Um, and, then, and then that was really all the planning that went into it. Duncan says it was chaotic to say the least. Yeah, I mean, there were instances with um, chairs being thrown at the teacher on the first day, uh, student fights breaking out in class the first day. The board tried to lean into the progressive politics of the 60s, even briefly employing an affiliate of the Black Panther Party to run the district's middle school. Swahili was taught in classrooms. Field trips were made to Black Panther Party headquarters in Oakland. Once that sort of got out to the, to the public, and especially the white families, they pulled their students out. Really, within five years, by the 70s, uh, white flight had really kind of resegregated that district. As part of the state's 2019 order, the Sausalito Marin City School District was required to have a group of expert desegregation advisors, and Duncan was one of them. He provided historical context because understanding what didn't work in the 60s helped provide a structure for the district's unification plan. Though the process was long and uncomfortable at times, the district ensured that parents' voices and concerns were heard from both communities. One of those voices was Kahea Adams, a fourth-generation Marin City resident. My grandma actually migrated here with her parents from Monroe, Louisiana. Um, her parents worked in the 
shipyards. And so she came here when she was about eight years old, I believe. And she raised her children in Marin City. Adams is the mother of four children. Her three older kids all attended Bayside MLK before the campuses unified. So did she and her mother. Her family experienced the desegregation effort of the 60s, and Adams says segregation largely informed her family's experience in the county. Growing up, it's always been, um, Marin City been a homey place. So it's always been really close-knit, family-oriented type community. You know, this was always the known as the Black community, and it was a stigma that you shouldn't go to Marin City. A lot of crime, a lot of negative things happened in Marin City. That kind of mindset, Adam says, affected the way the Bayside MLK student population was treated. For years, as the 2016 state audit confirmed, the students experienced staffing shortages and racial discrimination, even by some of the teachers. They spoke really negative, called them monkeys, um, called them the N-word I have heard. Um, Some just stormed out and left. Like, they just threw their hands up within two weeks of teaching. How is that possible? Adam says the academic inequities in the district became especially obvious once she became a parent. Once I got involved being an involved parent, sitting on different um, committees, I would see test scores. I would see, get privileged to, you know, speak up and say, hey, yeah, that doesn't seem right or that doesn't look right. There's no way one school should be performing and excelling with books and things, and this school does it. Adams became a bridge during the unification process, encouraging her fellow Bayside MLK parents to attend the board meetings and speak up, even if they didn't think they would be heard. She was so dedicated that she even brought her youngest son with her. I had to just explain, well, this is why mommy is here. I'm here to make sure that you have art supplies, you have your books, you have your paper and pens, but There are certain things that need to happen and people need to step forward and say, we need this so that you won't feel or your school won't feel different from what the other school has because everybody should be treated equal. Adam's involvement led to her becoming the president of the Bayside MLK Parent-Student Alliance. Historian Duncan says it's that kind of parent involvement that differentiates this unification effort from the failed experiment of the 60s. That and the backdrop of the Black Lives Matter movement and the focus on systemic racism following the murder of George Floyd. Duncan says it's instilled more willingness in the white families of Sausalito to participate in the desegregation. Really, the the key is the willingness to commit to the challenges and open discussions and also acknowledging, just like in the 60s, the politics and events going on today. I mean, Marin County is the fifth wealthiest county in the U.S., and it's also one of the most segregated. That has to be acknowledged and talked about. It's not, the school is not going to solve that problem, but it is the space where that segregation can be limited a little bit in putting these students together. Back at the Nevada Street Campus, putting the students together appears to be going smoothly in that first week of school. I come across two second grade girls, one black and the other white. They're running around together, holding hands, and they're curious about my microphone. They shared that they had become fast friends after meeting each other that week. I'm new here, so when I, we really was friends when I first met her. And when I first met the other students, they became my friends. 
And now they like they like to play with me. Every day she plays with me because really much. Is I don't have a friend. Now she is my friend. Oh, that's very sweet. More than a month later, I check back in on the district. This time at the middle school campus on Phillips Drive in Marin City. Our second principal's coffee. So good to see you, Gina. There soon. Coffee over there. It's early Friday morning in the library when Avita Jackson, the principal greets parents at her principal coffee chat. Hi, good to see you. There's some pastries over there if you want some, but I see you've got your own coffee. It's Jackson's second coffee chat seven weeks into the school year, and she says the goal is to help parents feel connected and heard, especially during this transition period. Jackson says parent involvement is exceptionally high in Sausalito, Marin City. It's her first year here after spending nine years in the Santa Rosa School District. She echoes the same optimism I've heard from Superintendent Garcia back in the first week of school. I think there was a lot of positivity in the air, just a a feeling of like happiness and excitement. Oftentimes, um, because people wanted to stop by, they'd step on campus and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, it just feels good. Because there was that energy in the air from the from the staff all the way to the students who, who were excited about this new uh, unified school and what is it going to be. She says, though, that integrating the older kids hasn't been as simple as what I had seen on the elementary schoolyard. I would say the first week of school, another teacher came up to me, actually in a couple of staff, was like, oh, wow. You know, we looked in the yard and, you know, we did see segregation, right? Jackson and her staff noticed that kids were grouping together by race, something that she chalks up to adjusting to new social norms and shyness. One of the teachers came up to me and was like, "Ah, I see this. We're going to have to do some work in the classroom. I said, yeah. Yeah. So it was already the case of, okay, I'm going to talk to my colleagues on how we're going to do that. Because the theme for the year was connection, connection, connection. And it was like, oh, no, we got to ramp up this connection so that our yard doesn't look like this. Connection, connection, connection is an emphasis that Jackson makes in that Friday morning coffee chat with parents, along with an acknowledgement that there's still a lot of work to be done. As I told you all last time, we are a startup, right? We're a new, new community. We're a new school. And while it looks great and it's exciting that, oh my gosh, we're creating a new thing, but creation takes a lot of work. When you get down to the nitty gritty, it takes work. And the work, at least for the parents, might mean setting aside old expectations. Human nature, we know, is hard to change. It's hard to change. So, yes, we can say, oh, at Bayside, we did this. And at Willow Creek, we did this. I've heard this time and time again. And it's often I'm reminding folks that that's good. This is a brand new school. So we can't make this a carbon copy of Willow Creek. We also can't make it a carbon copy of Bayside. What we're all here to do is make it something new and make it something great. At the coffee chat, one parent expresses concern that there's still division on the campus. I feel a very us versus them kind of feeling on campus from some of the staff. Like, this is the way we do it here. The way you did it over there is different. So I'm glad to hear that you're going to be focusing on those areas because I think it can be really destructive you know, within the community, within the student body, if they're constantly hearing that. And given that I've only been on campus four times and I've heard it every single time, we can't go to the next step, as you say, 
until we address those issues and everyone's clear on the fact that this is a unified school. One Black parent, the mother of an eighth grader who used to attend the Willow Creek Charter School, says she's seen a dramatic shift in her son since he started attending the new Bayside MLK campus. My son struggled at the Willow Creek campus. I have an eighth grader. Um, He struggled. Like, he came home upset, like, almost every day because it was kind of hard for him there. But at this school, he loves, he really enjoys coming to school every day. He he really enjoys the staff here. Um, He seems like a way more calm just when I pick him up from school, you know. And so whatever you guys are doing, and I I think all the improvements will be great too, but whatever you guys are doing over here, I just want to say kudos to you guys because my son really likes this school. After the coffee chat, I followed up with her to learn more. Her son had been at the Willow Creek Charter School since kindergarten, and she says the improvement in his emotional well-being can be attributed to seeing more Black faculty and school administrators like Jackson. When I share that tidbit with Jackson, she's thrilled. Oh, it fills my heart because that that's why I'm here, right? Because I want to make an impact. I want to make an impact for all students, but specifically students of color and in particularly Black students. Um Oftentimes you go to school and it's you barely get anyone of color. Creating a school environment that motivates families from both school communities to stay in the district will be a key measure of the integration success. County Superintendent Burke is optimistic, but she says the work ahead will determine how successful the unification is. If we can take everything that's happened all these years and imagine now that there is a path and we are on the very first brick on that path. So I do not think we're in a position to be um, celebrating, oh, great, everything's fine. It's going to be just fine. Because the bottom line is um, there's a lot of work to do. In addition to enrollment numbers, Burke says she's keeping an eye on staffing retention on both campuses, the continued engagement of families, and the emotional well-being of both students and faculty. And of course, the academic progress of all the district students. How are they doing? Are they accessing their education? Is it more than just a test score, but multiple measures that are being looked at uh, to ensure that students get what they need and some students need more? Garcia, the superintendent, he's optimistic. I think, you know, if you come back and visit us two or three years from now, you're going to be talking about one of the highest performing, hardest to get into schools in Marin County. As a hometown native, he says stepping up to the challenge of the moment is a unique opportunity in education, not just in Marin County, but across the country. I love what we're doing and I love this opportunity and I I would, wouldn't rather be anywhere else or be doing this anywhere else. I I think it's a really special place and a special time. Parent Kahea Adams agrees. Our district has been a model. People are looking and watching and seeing how this all is going to play out. But for now, Marin City parents like Adams are relieved. You know, I don't have to sit back and wonder like, oh man, another school year of not knowing, you know, if we're going to have enough teachers, if we're going to have us nurse. So Um, You know, just those things of just like a sense of relief of, wow, these kids are going to get to experience this, you know, what they should have been having at both campuses, you know, for a good while now because we're, we're doing the work to unify.
This episode of Fifth Emission was written and produced by me and co-produced and edited by King Kaufman with production help from Sarah Feldberg and Taya Francesca Price. To learn more about the desegregation effort of Sausalito Marin City in the 1960s, the historian I spoke to, David Duncan, is your guy. He's also helping document the present-day unification effort, and you can reach him at dtduncan at ucsc.edu. I'd like to thank all the Sausalito Marin City community members who spoke to me for the story. And don't forget about our fifth admission listener survey. We want to know what you want from the show. It's at sfchronicle.com slash survey. Thanks for listening. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi. Hi. I can hear you from far away, too. Hello. Where did you buy that? Oh, it's from work. Do you guys know what the San Francisco Chronicle is? No.